Greetings and welcome to the African Spirit Reintegrated and Reimagined. I am Asani Brogan, owner of Asani Coaching Services. And I am so super excited about this episode because I am going to share the long-winded version of my journey into Haitian Voodoo and E5. So if you've been to my website, you may have already seen two separate articles I wrote um, about my journeys into these respective systems. And of course, I am going to touch on bits and pieces of what I wrote there. But this particular episode is going to be more comprehensive because I want to share kind of the full scope of where I came from. And it's a journey, not just into two spiritual systems, but likewise a journey around the world where my ancestors took me to places where they had been, where they lived before, showed me where I came from without a DNA test or something like that. And likewise helped me to understand how we got to where we are today as a bloodline and also as a people group. So I want to share my journey from the beginning, even before I get to this space of practicing Haitian voodoo and Yifa. I'm going to start with my overall religious background and upbringing, and then bring you up to speed into where I am today in my journey. So sit back, you know, get your cup of tea, whatever you need to enjoy this message. I hope it is very beneficial to you guys as you continue in your journeys and understanding all of the ups and downs that can and often do occur as we journey into African spirituality. So um, just to start off with my background, I didn't really come from a terribly religious upbringing, right? So my my dad wasn't religious at all growing up. He's religious now. He's like super religious now into Christianity. But this was years later after he and my mother were well divorced and I was an adult when he got into this space so religion wasn't a big thing for him for my mother she did come from a very religious background so my mother did come from a very strong southern baptist upbringing where you go to church every Sunday and through the week and my grandmother um my maternal grandmother was really strong into the church always there singing shouting you know the whole nine anything you can think of when it comes to old school southern baptist women especially black women in the church environment that's the upbringing that my mother came from so when i was very young we kind of came into that space we being my sister and i we came into that same space where she was going to church pretty regularly and so forth and so on um, up until around the age of, I would say, maybe a seven or eight or something like that. And then my mother really slowed down on going to church a lot. And instead, she would, you know, pick those peak times to go, you know, the Christmas, the, the um, Easter time, and so forth and so on. She did that for a few years and to the point where she just completely stopped going to the church that she had grown up in as a child. Um, you know, I don't really remember the reason why I was so young. And so, you know, we went a few years where it was really no church attendance at all. My mom always talked about God, though, like that was 
something definitely in the household. Always pray before meals. Um, we're heavily into the Bible. I don't remember reading a Bible between those periods or really even when we were going to the church. Most of our teachings just came from the church. And so she wouldn't um, necessarily dig into, you know, spirituality in the same way as far as like talking about it from a biblical perspective all the time. Yes, she would quote Bible verses and tell us things that was in the Bible, but it wasn't necessarily like we sat down, we read it, we went through it, so forth. So instead, you know, she absolutely raised my sister and I with very strong moral character. You know, she was, she told us what was right and what was wrong. You know, don't kill, don't steal, don't do those types of things. And she would never tolerate any type of misbehavior on our behalf. So my sister and I were really, really good kids growing up, right? We, we studied, we were academically strong. Um, matter of fact, we were both doctors today and, you know, had our families and did it the quote-unquote right way if you will right according especially according to those particular times and so I can't say you know even though she wasn't really religious as far as being in a church house all the time she did give us that strong very strong moral character that we both carry with us to this day now um during the Desert Storm War, I think it was like in 1990, something like that. Um, I was maybe around 12, 13 ish. And my dad, he was a reservist. So he was not in the military at that time. He had been active duty years before that, I think during Vietnam. But uh, he worked a regular job and he was a, not a reservist, he was in the National Guard and his unit got called to serve in Desert Storm. And so they he was gone for maybe, I think it was maybe about a year, a little bit over a year. So he was probably gone the majority of that time. And she was, even though she was married, she was kind of struggling like as a single mom because you know, the reality of being by herself with two children was present, even though she had the paper and she, you know, was actually in a relationship with someone he was not physically present i think that weighed on her a little bit and she started to seek you know help from a higher power and she i remember her telling me years after the fact she has prayed and uh the next day she had prayed to god and was asking you know god to show her the way what she should be doing as far as religion and so forth and so on and then the next day after she said that prayer Jehovah's Witnesses came to our door and she just took that as a sign from God and we started to study with them. So we were studying the Jehovah's Witness um, religion for about two or three years. We got really deep into those teachings and I can't say she was like really on it. So we was like in the in the Kingdom Hall um, every like, they do Sundays, I think, if I recall correctly, every Sunday. And then it was like a Wednesday or Tuesday night Bible study. And they would come to your house and do the Bible study. So we were like really, really, really heavily into the Bible during that period of our lives. And, you know, they teach the philosophy of like not um, celebrating holidays, Christmas and 
you know, Halloween, Thanksgiving, New Year's, all of these different things. So we stop participating in those activities um, through and through for for a minute. Like now she she observed Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, not in the same way she did when we were growing up because she would really you know, get into it with the food cooking and all of the celebrations like she had known in her youth. But now, because, you know, my sister and I are no longer in the home, she doesn't go all out like that. But usually she'll celebrate it with her brothers and sisters who are still alive and things of that nature. So, um, I did learn a lot of my Christian teachings, my early Christian teachings that I can remember from the Jehovah's Witness Church because as I said before, yeah, we did the church thing, but I was really, really young at that time. So I can only remember bits and pieces of that. But I absolutely remember the Jehovah's Witness faith and being in the Kingdom Hall on a regular basis and just studying the different lessons, learning about different aspects of the Bible. Though their Bible is not the same as the King James Ver King James version that most people you know, adhere to. Of course, there are you know, new international versions, so many different versions of the Bible nowadays. But at that time, those were the primary ones. And um, it was, they still use a different translation than that. I can't remember the name of it. But, um, you know, after so long, when my dad came back home, um, she was into it for a little while after that. But then, I remember her saying that she she ended up leaving. So I remember her saying that the reason for that is because they were talking about the war and how it wasn't right for us to serve in the war and things like that. And she was like, you know, my husband went over here and fought, you know, and, and risked his life for these people. And they're saying all these negative things about the war efforts and so forth and so on. And that, whatever reason, he just turned her off at that particular time. So we stopped going. But she still adhered a lot to the um, the, the teachings as far as you know, not celebrating the holidays because it's not really Jesus' birthday and you know so forth and so on. So we we kept that through my high school years. And I remember you know being in high school, I started to develop a deep interest in astrology, even though you know I was always told that that was wrong and not supposed to deal into astrology, necromancy, and all of these things because they were technically against the Bible. So I, you know, with only divulging them here and there, I remember I had a friend in high school who would like bring the cosmetology magazines to school and we would sit and read our horoscope just some little fun kid things to do and i do remember studying a lot about my sun sign which is sagittarius and i remember just being so enamored like wow i identified with that sign so much i used to call myself like i'm a sagittarius of sagittarius because i was just so strongly connected with the traits of that sign now you know I realized that the reason why for this is because I have so many planets, I have like five planets placed in Sagittarius in my natal chart. And at that time I knew nothing about moon signs and you know all of the 12 houses and all of the things I know now because I've studied astrology 
extensively. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a, an astrologer in the sense that this is like my primary profession, but I absolutely do astrology readings now because I know how very important the planetary movements are to our day-to-day lives. And I also understand now why I had that attraction to it when I was in high school. So, but I would always kind of dig in and dig out. And even when I went off to college and, you know, early adulthood, I would do the same thing. Like I would be really interested in it, but then I would let it go and say, no, this is against the Bible, it's wrong and so forth. So I kind of had this, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type of complex about it at that particular time in my life. So I went off, went on to college um, after high school, right after high school, did the college thing. I ended up actually getting married when I was like midway through my bachelor's degree studies. And um, that marriage did not last very long. So I, I got a divorce, it just so many dynamics. I was too young, he was too young. You know, it just didn't make that the best of situations, right? So I um actually I got divorced after I yeah, I finished I had finished college and I was working on a job and you know just miserable in my marriage, miserable in the job that I had. I absolutely hated it. So I ended up getting a divorce, moved on, you know, in that area and eventually I did get another job, but I remember, you know, after I had divorced and I was still in a job that I really didn't like, I remember picking up this book called, you know, The Power of Positive Thinking. As far as the author's name or what have you, I guess in I don't know, it was something like that. But either way, I remember that book having a profound impact on me because it had a lot of biblical scriptures and stuff like that. And for whatever reason, Spirit just used that book to work through me to get me back into like the Bible and church and things like that. The blessed thing that I did at that time though was truly start to develop a relationship with the Creator. Even though I was you know, utilizing the name Jesus because that's what I knew at the time, I was actually developing a relationship. It wasn't just about going to church, listening to what someone else said. Though that, you know, going to church became a part of my dynamic, but it wasn't the end all be all to my practice. At that time, my, you know, it was time astrologically for my, for my, um, for me rather to get into spirituality on a deep level, because as I just told you guys, I have Sagittarius place in so five planets in Sagittarius and plus I'm a Pisces ascendant. What I realized though is that, you know, it was meant for me to go into spirituality later on versus being into a religion. But I'll get to that part shortly. So as I was going through this phase, really deepening my connection to the creator, um, digging into Christianity, learning the at that time what I call the word of God for myself. I met my current husband, but we were friends at that time. We didn't meet, you know, our relationship did not start off as a romantic relationship or being based off of romance. It started off as a friendship. He likewise had just recently started really getting into Christianity based on some things that he'd experienced. He was suffering from some health problems and 
you know, had dealt with a lot of trauma as a black man when it comes to racism and police and things like we're seeing today. He's gone through those types of things. And, you know, Christianity or religious, what religion, whatever you want to say it is, was like, you know, the catalyst that kind of worked for him. That was the thing that kind of worked for him at that time. You know, likewise for me, it was working for me to help me to overcome a lot of the trauma that I had recently went through. And so, you know, later on, we ended up getting married, obviously, because we're married now. And so we started to really develop a strong relationship. And it was all based around like the Bible and Christianity because it was super, super spiritual. Again, now looking back, knowing that he's a Pisces son. So that makes so much sense to me now. And I understand his personality, you know, based on the astrology. Uh, and likewise, my own personality, a whole lot more based on astrology. But we spent some time really learning the Bible together, growing in our faith and in our walk. Eventually we got married. He actually proposed to me in the church <laughs> that we went to. And, um, you know, our relationship bloomed from there. We got married, we moved in together. Um, by that time I had even changed jobs. Like I, I utilized a lot of that information from the power of, uh, what is it, the power of positive thinking to really shift my mindset. I ended up becoming a professor and just so many different things transpired thereafter. My husband and I, we had a really, really beautiful relationship and we, we shared the same interests. So it was just, everything had just turned around for me with, you know, reshaping my mindset. At that time I attributed it to Christianity, but now I realize, you know, it was the power of the mind. And so, you know, moving forward, we got together. We ended up having two children. We have two children today together. And probably about five years into our relationship, we taken a trip. At that time, we only had our son. Our daughter wasn't born. And we went, I've told this story before we, we were, was Florida. We went down to Florida. We was coming back up to Georgia. We lived in Georgia at that particular time. Um, came back up to Georgia and we stopped at this bookstore on our way back home. And it was a, it was a Christian bookstore. So it attracted us because it was having this really huge discount sale. And we was always, you know, going to check out Christian bookstores and stuff like that. We had like so many Christian resources in our home. Bibles, so many Bibles and books on Christianity that we actually read wasn't just collecting things. We were really deeply into our connection to the creator and trying to learn about the creator through this religion that the world refers to as Christianity. So we went through, um, went to that story, as I mentioned before, I ended up finding a Bible. I actually tried to look up the name of the Bible before I got into this session, but I can't uh, I couldn't find the name of it, but it was a Bible that was written by, I think this guy was Puerto Rican, and he talked about how the original people of the Bible were a black race of people. And he had all kind of you know, archaeological evidence outlined of you know, where the places were and what they looked like and so forth and so on. It just really piqued my interest, so I grabbed that book 
We went on back home after we did our little pit stop, got back to Georgia. I put the book down. I didn't read it right away, the Bible, rather. I didn't read the Bible right away. But later on, I started to pick it up and I would read here and there and so forth and so on. And I just remember like being in all like, wow. And I had heard this before, but just never really paid any attention to it. But then I remember even at certain points, I would be like, well, it really doesn't matter, you know, that we were black or not, you know, God came to save all. I went through all of these different phases with that. But um, eventually, you know, the teachings or what have you in that book really deepened my connection to, you know, the black experience in the Bible and understanding that the people were, were black. And I had a head knowledge of that, and a very strong head knowledge of that. But it wasn't really until I actually lived in the Middle East where that whole concept just resonated with me so much because I got a chance to see it in real time, right? So after that, not too long after buying the Bible, we ended up moving to Texas. And um, what was it? So Fort Worth, yeah. Fort Worth, Texas, I was about to say Dallas. So those of you all who are in DFW, you know the area. This is what I was about to say, DFW. But we actually lived in Fort Worth. Of course, went to Dallas all the time because of the close connection between the two areas. But it was there that I learned, I started to learn about and research the Hebrew Israelite movement. And I came across that through looking up information about like the original people in the Bible being black and so forth and so on. And I said, wow, you know, this is some deep stuff. And I was doing a whole lot of research about that at that time. And that's when I came across a lot more information about the Hebrew Israelites, even found a few videos. And, you know, at that time it wasn't prolific like it is now like you can go online and find so many Hebrew Israelite camps at that time it was they were coming up but it was you know kind of the beginning of YouTube so to speak so it wasn't a whole whole lot of people on there but I did manage to find some um just one particular camp that I resonated with so much and I just remember like almost one whole night just staying up listening to the teachings and just being like oh my god you know this stuff is so interesting and i shared it with my husband and he was like whoa and from there we was just like watching this stuff and listening to it every day and getting books and learning about all of these things we read all the different books that you know from babylon to timbuktu from you know all these different different resources that really and truly shape our ideology about black people you know being the original people of the bible so we lived in texas for about two years and after that we decided to move to africa and it was funny because my husband and i both said at the beginning of our relationship that we wanted to move to africa um and we just made that move like I, I don't even know you know exactly how it transpired in our minds that we chose at that particular time evidently it was just the right time it was the right time for us to be where we needed to be to get the experiences and the knowledge and know how to travel down the path that we have you know 
traveled at this particular point. So we moved to West Africa, Liberia to be exact. I always say West Africa because you say Liberia, some people might get it mixed up with Costa Rica. We actually lived in Liberia, which is a West African country. The only country that was colonized by the U.S. can be arguable or debatable. You know, I don't really care about either way. The culture is still that American culture. I mean, it's still in Liberia for those individuals who want to argue and say that it wasn't colonized by America. It was colonized by free slave, but that was the American colonization society. And at the end of the day, it basically looks like any other African country with this heavy European overtone to it. So going back to my point, we moved to Africa. And and let me say this too. So for people who are not really familiar with the Hebrew Israelite movement, that movement teaches obviously that the original people of the Bible were black. You have basically two different types of Hebrew Israelites. So some who believe in the Old Testament teachings and some who believe in the New Testament teachings, right? Um, but they all adhere to the belief that the first, you know, Deuteronomy 28, you read the whole um, passage, it's about the blessings and the curses that the Israelites would experience if they obeyed God versus disobeyed God as they went to journey into the promised land, right? And so if you go through that scripture, you will see like all of those things apply to our people. And it applies to African Americans for sure. But for some reason, it wasn't until I moved to Africa when I was able to like really see it and feel it from a palpable perspective. Like it was in your face. All of the curses of Deuteronomy. I could see it. And I remember, you know, at that time, you have so many different camps and they have like this chart that says, you know, this group of people are from um, this tribe, you know, Jacob and Joseph and so forth and so on. Right. I don't believe that part because like, there were so many different tribes and there are so many different people groups in Africa. Yeah, you may have a concentration of one or more tribes in the Americas than in other parts of the world, but it, it wasn't easy. It can't be as easily distinguishable, especially now knowing what I know. Like I see African-Americans with features of African people from all over the continent. The vast majority, yes, they're going to be from West Africa. It only makes sense since of the, because of the proximity with Africa and, you know, the Americas. So I'm not even just talking about the U.S., I'm talking about the United States, um, Canada, Caribbean islands, you know, South America, etc. All over this area because of the proximity. The same way in the Middle East, you know, in the Islamic areas, you are going to have more of the East African, again, because of the proximity. It's just geographical at the end of the day. So, but likewise, there were migratory efforts years before all of this occurred from East Africa to West Africa. So you'll see those same features inherent in people just all across the continent. You know, Bantu people, you research that. Um, were a group of migratory people that the Hebrew Israelites are actually said to have come from. But we're going to see ourselves in so many different dynamics of this experience because we are the original people. We were all over the world. We are still all over the world. 
So going back to what I was saying, when I lived in Africa, I saw Deuteronomy 28 up close and personal. It was very different because I was looking from the outside in. Though those same dynamics apply absolutely to African-Americans in the U.S., it's just like with anything else, it's always easier to see you know, something from a outsider's perspective than it is from an insider's perspective. And for me, with understanding the Hebrew Israelite movement, my vision, my focus, my thought patterns were just so different when I moved to Africa that I could see it in a you know, totally new way. At that time too, my intuition got so much stronger. I've always been intuitive. I've always just new things but for some reason when I was on the continent oh my god it was like I was having you know intuitive experiences left and right it was just so amazing and I didn't understand exactly what was going on with me at that time um, especially coming from a Christian slash Hebrew Israelite perspective because you know even though <laughs> you have to really look back on this stuff even though divination is absolutely part of biblical record the old testament you talk about the urine thumb thumbing um how the levitical priesthood would divine with these devices and i mean crystals are mentioned in the bible so much so many aspects of spiritualism are inherent in biblical record but you know we can't see that because we're being taught one thing we're being indoctrinated so you don't see that until again you kind of come out of that space but going back to what i was saying my intuition grew and i was still hearing to and thinking about you know spirituality from the context of a hebrew israelite but some things was changing in me spiritually it wasn't until I moved to the UAE after spending about three years in Liberia. My family and I, we, we moved. It was an adventure. We were, we were really, you know, ready to do some things at that point because we had gotten our first real taste of living abroad. So we moved to the UAE after about a three-year stint in Liberia. Went over there, really enjoyed ourselves. I remember not too long after getting there, my husband started to introduce me to some black conscious spiritual teachings that he was learning about and um just showing me different things different videos different books and so forth and so on but at that time i was really rejecting it now so it was like no that's not true these people just saying stuff so forth and so on this is why i don't really get mad with people when you know they want to attack what i have to say and you know the experiences of somebody who is dealing with African spirituality because I understand I was in that space once so I don't let it get to me because I know everybody has to have their own experience before they come down this road so I don't evangelize because I know it does no good unless a person is truly ready to go down this path but either way it goes he kept showing me those things and I was you know it was going in but not sticking but still going in nevertheless and I don't even really know, but maybe about six to eight months in our move, into our move, you know, spirit just started revealing so many things to me about my life and about where I was. And, and I, I became very unhappy about just, you know, kind of where I was in the space and with some of the people more so that I was dealing with in my life and I wasn't appreciating that. And I, I really 
shut down. I shut down dealing with a lot of people in my life. And, you know, really just focused in on dealing with my husband and my children. Didn't spend a whole lot of time outside of that dynamic, which gave me more time to really focus on spiritual matters. And I would do, I've always been dug into spirituality when I was into spirituality. So, you know, I would do fast. I've done extensive fast. I still fast. Um, I would, you know, engage in other activities that would strengthen me spiritually, so to speak. So when I was, um, you know, during that time that I kind of let go of these people in my life who just were not serving my greatest good, I just had more time to really dig into my spirituality, as I said. And the messages my husband was sharing to me just started to stick with me. And then I started to do more research. And I'm like, you know what, this, this does make sense, you know. You know, if, if Christianity is for us as a black people group, for one, why is it that we're not experiencing, you know, what we should be experiencing according to what the Bible is saying? Then I started thinking even deeper, like, okay, well, you know, why were we allowed to read the Bible? Why were we given Christianity? Somebody else gave us this religion. The people that who had enslaved us and treated us bad and didn't care about our welfare otherwise, why would they care about our spiritual wealth? And even more so, why would they give us a savior to protect us from them, right? They, they came and enslaved us and they're gonna give us a savior to help us to overcome that? There's no way. So of course I dug deeper and dug deeper and started learning so many different things about where Christianity came from, you know, how we were forced to accept it as a people group, so forth and so on. And at that point, I was like, okay, I knew it wasn't for me, but I was still, you know, going through some things. Also at that time I was traveling a lot, my family and I were living in the UAE. And, um, it's very close to a lot of the Asian countries and other regions, even some parts of Africa. And so we got the chance to really travel quite often. And oh, wow, that opened up my eyes like no other thing because I was able to see people in the world as they truly are, not the Europeanized media depictions of what they are. Came to discover that most people all people rather all the original people in these lands are black people and they're still there though we don't see them in the media because we see the um whitewashed images in the media but there are dark-skinned people kinky hair you know look just like what the average person would consider an african-american or an african to be and so that opened up my eyes to understanding that you know we are the dispersion, the diaspora that was talked about in the biblical text and, you know, Deuteronomy, how that was one of the curses. You would be dispersed and you would go into different lands and also a stranger would come into your land and rule over you and all of those different things. So we were absolutely dealing with those things. So that was my journey up through the UAE to the point where I was like, okay, this thing is not right that I've come to know and accept as my religion. And I decided at that time, you know, I had to do some further investigation. So I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to tell you guys more of my journey and, you know, how I got from that space to where I am now. 
So before the break, I left off with my journey in the UAE describing how I, you know, got into a space where I was not satisfied with the biblical teachings and I was just, you know, thinking about a whole new world of things at that particular time. So we ended up living in the UAE for another three years, for three years total rather. And, you know, by the time I left the UAE, I was just kind of in a space of confusion, right? And thereafter, we ended up moving to Doha, Qatar, which is another Middle Eastern country, not too far from the UAE. And, you know, it was during that transition, I remember us going to Thailand for like a month or something like that. Yeah, about six weeks actually, because it was we decided to stay there during the transition since they're so close together and Thailand is close to that area. And I, you know, had nothing to do. I didn't have any work or anything to even think about or to do because I wasn't going back to my previous job. So I just had time on my hands. And I remember like scouring the Bible during that time and just. I think I was trying to look for evidence that it was true, even though logically I knew it wasn't. I come to that resolution, but you know, I was still like just angry trying to deal with all of those different feelings, trying to reconcile my beliefs at that time. So fast forward to a six week period, we ended up moving to um, Qatar, but my family actually had to come back to the US because um, I was actually the one who had gotten the job there. And that particular employer did not pay for your entire family to come right away. They had to get you in there and make sure that your visa and everything was good and that you could stay in the country. And then once you were settled in the country, they would pay for your family to then come into the country and be with you. So even though I had a brand new job, I would have plenty of free time whenever I went back home because my family wasn't with me. So I had more time during that particular part of my journey. I think I was there for a good month by myself to really, you know, dig deep. And I, oh, I did so much studying. I just remember one day coming across a video from an older gentleman, you know, just talking about, I, I don't know why, but it just resonated with me in that moment this older guy saying you know jesus doesn't exist and um yeah <laughs> i'd had it's not like i had not heard this before because i had but whatever reason in that particular moment it resonated with me so deeply and i remember actually hearing it on my way out the door to work and i thought about it the whole drive to work and i was just like oh my god you know like this thing isn't real and that's when i was like okay I just let it go. I just, you know, stopped. I stopped looking for evidence. I stopped trying to justify anything. And I just let Christianity go. You know, I won't say it in that moment. It was in that moment. It was just in that moment that I realized that it, you know, the, I wasn't going to find what I was looking for to justify my faith, my belief. So I just had to move forward. And so during that particular time like Qatar was a huge morning experience for me i stayed there for two years so it was like a good three four months you know into my stay there where it was yeah i was done with christianity with, within the first you know two or three month period and i just started to really then dig into other aspects of my spirituality. I never let go of the belief in a divine creator or a source. I know that there's 
divine intelligence that created the universe. I, I've never gotten to a space where I just couldn't believe, even though, you know, I've dealt with some harsh situations and sometimes I'm wondering, well, where is this creator? Why are we as a black people group still going through the things that we're going through, especially like collectively, not just even me, but you know, likewise, some of the other things that do happen in my own personal journey, I was like, you know, I question that and I still question that from time to time, even though I have the, the, the head nods, I'm still like, okay, you know, I get that our ancestors were not doing some things that were so great. And because we had all this power, we started to turn against each other. We lost this power. Okay. But when is this dynamic going to change? Like the present generation we're for the most part are not contributing to what happened originally so when do we get our chance to say okay we're gonna work our way out of these things and i know you know we we are our ancestors for sure so yeah we did do it in a sense even though we may have not done it in this lifetime but you know what's going on with those of us who are reconciling so can you know get a little bit frustrating at times because this journey is not easy just because i transition into african spirituality by no means i still go through certain things um but that being said at that time i started to i got back into astrology it was like you know what if it does i, I always had this strong desire to get into astrology and you know it i was not going into it before because i was told from a biblical perspective this wasn't correct so forth and so on it's like forget it I'm gonna go into this and I started to dig deeper into black conscious teachings on spirituality specifically. During that time, a lot of the Egyptology teachings started to come up. I don't know why, but it just never really resonated with me. I know some people who like heavily into those belief systems, even though they may practice another form of um, Christianity. I, I don't know, it just doesn't resonate with me. I'm not saying that I don't believe that those narratives are true because it all came from the same place, but that just wasn't the path that I was meant to take. Also, Ifa started to come up during that part of my journey, but it would just kind of come up in passing. It wasn't anything that I really focused on and studied, but I was like, okay, well, you know, what is this? It came up a few times. I looked at it, but likewise did some other things that, you know, I really didn't focus on or what have you at that particular time. I started to have a whole lot of synchronicities. And um, to explain, you know, a synchronicity is basically when we start to sync with the natural order of things, we'll start to have these experiences that validate that know-how and that, you know, intuitive way of being that we are syncing up with universal energy and universal flow so it can look like so many things for a lot of people that's you know seeing repeating numbers for some people it may be having um different experiences like deja vu and things like that it could be so many different things well for me numerology like that was i just kept seeing repeating numbers repeating numbers repeating numbers all the time to the point where i was like it's got to be something to this and that's when i started to research and look up numbers and the meanings and why am i seeing this and so then i would you know tap into that understanding of numerology and started to study 
deeply. This is why I still do numerology readings because they are absolutely a part of the way that my ancestors and my spiritual team still communicate with me. Um, likewise, they were communicating with me heavily with animals at that time. They don't animals don't show up so much for me anymore as they used to. Not all animals. Before it was a variety of animals. I won't say all animals, but a variety of different animals. Now birds. Birds are really, really prominent in um by spiritual communication. But otherwise I don't get a whole lot of other animal communication like I did during that particular part of my journey. But you know those were the major things that spirit was using to guide and to teach me so astrology numerology um, animal messengers things like that i would still pick up the bible on and off during that time but i wasn't reading it for like you know this spiritual experience i was reading it because some of the things that i was learning about in other aspects of spirituality were coming up in the biblical text and i was like hmm this is odd this is different right so i would read it back and forth well you know our journey in qatar ended it ended with me being you know still frustrated but in a space where i was getting ready to reconcile my beliefs and just move forward i had more on christianity i had more on the concept that you know this savior was not going to swoop down out of the sky and just come and save us and while we just do nothing but you know accept the blood of jesus and so forth and so on so after that um my family and i we ended up coming back to the u.s but not to the mainland we actually moved to hawaii and you know all throughout this course like i'm going through all going to all of these places that i never planned to go to i always had a desire to travel right i got sagittarius all through and through you know planets rather all through and through the sagittarius so that makes sense like i would have that penchant for long distance travel but i didn't have a specific place in my heart to go through i was even i was never really even that person that dreamed of going to hawaii my mom used to talk about it going up but it just so happened that my experiences led me there i was meant to be there so when i get to hawaii it was just this really beautiful, peaceful, cleansing part of my journey. And, you know, Hawaii, just tropical island, just ocean. It coming from a desert as well, you know, because I was literally in the desert in the dry space, just like the children of Israel going through this, you know, desert experience, wondering, trying to figure out their God and what their God wanted from them. That's literally me in the Middle East, right? But then I come into Hawaii. So, you know, it's kind of at the precipice of my promised land. I wasn't in the promised land yet. And I, you know, started to heal from those experiences with Christianity. That's when I started to dig into moon rituals. The moon just really resonated with me at that time in my life, still does. And I now understand why, because the moon, everything is really built around the moon cycle and not the sun cycle that, you know, Western astrology focuses on, but the moon actually dictates the up and downs and the movement. Um, even though the sun is very vital, I'm not taking away the role of the sun, but the sun's movement from sign to sign is not as important as the moon. The moon is like the most frequently 
um, moving energy in the universe. And so her energy and her movement dictates everything else, right? D dictates what the sun is going to do and what the sun is going to look like where it's sitting. Same thing like with a female, right? And a male, even though in this world we're told that the male power, power is dominant, the patriarchy and whatever. But if you really look at the ebb and flow of things, it's the female, the way we move, the way we do things that dictate what goes on. Right, because you know we can choose to bring forth life, even though they may implant life into us. We ultimately have that choice to bring forth that life into the world, um, irrespective if it's legal or not, because it can still happen, even if it's not legal. So going on with what I was saying, I got into different moon rituals, new moon, um, what do you call it, full moon rituals, and. I just was vibing with the moon. Like probably two hours over there with that ocean and just everything was lining up. I started to vlog a lot more. And it was just for myself. I didn't put it on YouTube or anything like that. I was just, you know, on my iPad and I was just vlog anytime I got the notion, probably some days, two or three times a day, just because I was going through the experience. It was a very, very laid back part of my, my journey because Hawaii is just chill and relaxed and you know, not a whole lot of um, hustle and bustle like you experience here in the mainland, right? And so that was part of my experience there. Um, I wasn't reading the Bible in Hawaii. I just got into a space where I, I really couldn't read it. I needed a break from it. Um, I don't read the Bible on a regular basis now. I might it's been some years, some years since I actually picked up a Bible and read it. But um, I think I probably did pick it up a time or two since I've lived here in Arizona where I currently stay. But um, it, it has absolutely been a while. Uh, but I still prayed. Like I said before, I never lost my faith in a higher power because I know something exists beyond me. I just don't vibe with this theory that, you know, it's just a big bang. There's no higher intelligence or anything like that. But I just stopped calling on the names that I was calling on. And by then I had adopted the Hebrew Israelite name based on the camp that I was getting the teachings from. So I wasn't even saying Jesus anymore because by that time I realized that that wasn't the real name, right? Jesus. <laughs> There's so many different things with that name, but that's a lesson in and of itself. But I was calling on what I had been informed the names were at that time for Jesus and the Most High. And I just, you know, moved from that space to just, you know, call on a higher power, a nameless higher power at that particular time because I didn't know what it was. Started to get readings, astrology, different forms of, of divination, other forms of divination as well. Uh, during Doing different energy cleansings, getting crystals. I started getting crystals and all of that. What they call new age stuff, but it's not new age. It's actually very ancient technology, ancient practices that our ancestors were doing way before this time. Um, our ancestors did and the people groups in Africa still use crystals and natural elements in spiritual practice, even in divination and things like that. So it's absolutely a part of our systems, though, you know, we can kind of think of it to be something different nowadays. 
But so that's that's kind of where I left off before I came here. I really got into a beautiful space where I was just vibing and I was allowing spirit to lead me and show me stuff. I didn't just go and grab stuff. It was just like whatever I would listen to my intuition, whatever vibed or resonated with me. That's what I would tap into, you know, and I would I would feel my way through it. And I just remember feeling so amazing as I went through that process. So um, after that, I did end up moving again. And I know y'all are like, okay, when is she going to settle <laughs> right? So I've been in Arizona for a few years now, quite a few years now. Um, I'm not saying that I'm gonna be here forever, but that was the next landing space for me after Hawaii. And now I understand why I, it was very important for me to be on the mainland before I got into like Ifa in the Haitian voodoo systems, um, just so that I can navigate my way better because of like it's time difference, time zone stuff that wouldn't have been so conducive for me if I was still in Hawaii, right? Likewise, you know, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, right? Like this is one of the most spiritual places in the world, Phoenix, the, the, um, mythical what well, they call it a mythical bird i don't even know now but um you know the bird that burns itself up and then rises from its own ashes to become a, a new better creature and yes absolutely i've had that phoenix experience of you know still growing still metamorphosizing into it and i'm going to take a quick break right now and dig into my experiences here in arizona and talk about how i have you know, transition into the two belief systems that I now practice. According to Yoruba beliefs, our ancestors watch over us in the afterlife and are able to give or withhold blessings based on our conduct and ties to them. In order to better align with our foreparents, Ritual work is oftentimes necessary to restore and maintain these vital connections. Asani Coaching Services offers EFI-based ancestor connection rituals to help you achieve this goal. To learn more, visit asani44.com. That's A-S-A-N-E-E-4-4.com. Now in this last part, I am going to close up the message by telling you guys how I really dug into the Ifa and the um, Haitian voodoo systems and kind of where I am now in my practice. I told you from the beginning, this is a long-winded version because it's deep and so many different layers, even beyond what I've discussed before, but I will probably be here all day talking if I got to all of those different layers. So. As I said before, we pick up back in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, where I ended up moving to after I left Hawaii. Um, I was, you know, very much so into like, okay, intuitively being led. I didn't have my mind set on a particular practice at that particular time. It was just like, hey, I'm connecting with nature. I'm connecting with the universe and wherever my spirit leads me, that's where I'm going. And so 
I, I remember when I first moved things, I was like very interested in, in getting a reading from this um, shamanic woman that I had met. So I, you know, conversed with her, talked to her about her process, tried to understand what was going on in the reading. And she was actually a, a black woman of um, Native American and African heritage. And so when I say black, I'm referring to like what people consider the skin color because indigenous American people are dark copper colored people. All right. We didn't with the, the kinky hair. All right. It is not what we think of when we think of a Native American. But that's how she identified herself. And I just wanted to bring clarity to that before somebody thinking it was something else. So anyhow, I, you know, had this this reading done if I came up. Like your bloodline is dealing with Ifa. She was not an Ifa practitioner. So, you know, I would expect that if I'm dealing with the Ifa practitioner, somebody's trying to get you to go into the faith or whatever. But she was not. There wasn't her what was she what she was into. She was actually, you know, completely shamanic and she had some like training like over in West Africa. But it wasn't even Nigeria that she had done. And so it came up in that reading, you know, Ifa, along with a number of other things about some things in my lineage and so forth and so on. And so I was like, wow. And that's when I really started to dig into Ifa. I was like, okay, that, that came up. Then I ended up getting two more readings, guys, with people who, again, were not, they weren't, I should say, like, Ianifas, right? Two other women, they were one of them. She like practiced a lot of different things, so she practiced Ifa, but she was not an Ifa priestess. And but likewise, she was into Egyptology and other practices as well. Came up again, you got Ifa in your lineage, you need to head down that, that, that road. Your ancestors are calling you back into that, and then the third reading. Same thing, and that woman was not into Ifa either. And I was like, okay, like y'all are really telling me right now, I need to deal with Ifa. And I had been studying and researching that time, and also I'd already started an ancestor veneration practice, so I forgot about that. When I came to Arizona, that was like one of the first things I decided to do. I had been researching that when I was in Hawaii, but I knew I was getting ready to leave, so I was like, I didn't want to set up an altar, but I was doing like little small things like leaving food in my plate and stuff like that because at the time that i really started to desire to do the ancestral veneration portion like i said it was like maybe a couple of months before we were getting ready to transition out of war so i um went ahead and started that like maybe once i got my house settled so i'm gonna say maybe two three weeks i mean months excuse me I was still engaging in my moon rituals and you know, I had my ancestor altar and I was doing my thing and I was just feeling it. I was like, okay, this is, you know, really, really going in the right direction. And so at that time I was working on a, a business. It wasn't what, it wasn't a sunny coaching services and it actually wasn't like full on my business. It was with a partner. Right. And so I was creating some things with someone else in a business situation. And so we needed a graphic designer and I reached out to the freelancer online and he happened to be Haitian. He was actually living in IAT at this particular time. 
And so um, he and I started to working together on like some projects that we needed for that particular business. And we just happened to get into conversation about, you know, our spiritual paths and stuff like that. I probably asked him about, you know, voodoo or whatever, because I was studying Ifa and just thinking about going on that path at that particular time. And he told me he was like really in the same space. He was transitioning into voodoo. He was studying, even though he's Haitian, he didn't grow up in his voodoo tradition, though it is generationally in his lineage. And so you can even check out like, his interview I did here on this podcast, Richie Thermador. Um, he owns the Ganine store. He does quite a bit of my graphic design work now. He even designed that deck, the Spirits of Africa Oracle. So guys, definitely check that deck out and get it because we work diligently to capture the essence of African spirituality as practiced throughout the diaspora. Lots of um, Haitian-based cars, there are lots of Ifa cars, but also from different places around the um, the continent of Africa, but like Brazil and um, other areas where our traditions are practiced. So going back to what I was saying, he, um, he, he started to talk about that. And at that time, I had not get, gotten an EFA reading or anything like that. And so, I, you know, I was like, well, you, you working with somebody? You have a reader or whatever? And he said, yeah, you know, like him and his family, they was going through like this major ceremony, like not too soon after that I had met him. And, you know, they had been doing all the preparation work and just getting things together so that they could do what they need to do because it was a big thing. Him and his entire family were about to go through this. And so I was like, okay, can you give me a reading? You know, I want to see what that looks like. So he got me a reading, came up that my um, my family line, like I have Haitian roots and that those... Um, some of my ancestors actually were fighting with the Haitians during the Haitian Revolution. It was like that was that's interesting, right? I didn't take it to heart. But I was like that was interesting. And then he also told me about a familiar curse that occurred with my family line because they had made a pact. It wasn't a good pact, right? With a, a spirit, a specific spirit in the voodoo pantheon and it you know in order for me to see certain things manifest in my life and in my family's life i needed to clear that curse and i was like you know based on some other things she said i knew it was real i likewise felt it like when i get a reading it's like if it's resonating with my spirit i'm like okay if it's not i'm like no you know i just keep moving because that doesn't happen all the time either or it could be like like i've gotten readings where bits and pieces of it resonate with me or it's true i know it's true and in other parts it just doesn't resonate with me i don't continue to follow that path and live unless it's brought up again in a whole different context so after that you know i did that reading but she was telling me i needed to come to haiti in order to resolve that particular situation i had to do all these major stuff and it was just not the right timing for me to take a trip to haiti so i told him okay well can we check with somebody else because you know like i can't do this right now even though i wanted to so you know he got another reading bam same thing came up the the 
part about the cursing come up, but the same thing about me, you know, having connection to I-80 and that me needing to come to I-80 to um, deal with that curse because I was like supposed to have like this big ceremony to like so many Lua in order to reconnect to our spirits and so forth and so on. But it did me no good because again, I was still in the same predicament. I was not able to go to the country at that time. And so then, you know, he ended up connecting with somebody else and I was able to actually like do the whole reading on like a video call or conference call with this individual. And he finally said, okay, I need to do a particular ceremony in order to deal with this curse. And then after that, my ancestors will lead me to the right path to, you know, finish off. Because I'm telling you guys, spirituality is not one time. You you may start with like one ritual, but it, you may have to keep doing certain stuff until you get the result that you need. So that being the case, I went on ahead and I, I um, did, I had to prepare and do a lot of stuff and get that ritual done. I did get that ritual done um, and that readings, you know, same thing came up about me having Haitian lineage. I said three times, three different people who don't know each other. I know this has to be real, but it resonated in my spirit anyway the first time. I really didn't need validation, but my ancestors were like, we're going to give it to you anyway so that you understand your connection to this spiritual system before you go into Ifa. You need to go into Ifa, but you need to stop right here with the voodoo system because you got to reconcile some things and likewise there are some things you need to learn before you go to that next level of e5 and i said okay lesson well taken so i did my due diligence still study e5 and so forth and so on but i had to take a pit stop and start learning about like the luai and all of these different things and you know such a beautiful experience because through that that's when I began to realize that all of our systems were foundationally the same. You hear me say that all the time, and that's because that is what I learned through approaching two different systems. And I understood them beyond having to go back and reconcile the curse, beyond needing to really understand ancestral veneration the Haitian way, because that dynamic is not present in Ifa in the same way it is in diasporic traditions. I realized that our traditions are ultimately the same thing. Because if you go online or if you, you know, read a book, even talk to people within the traditions and they swear up and down that they're so different. And I'm like, no, they are not. It's just that culturally we express our systems differently, but foundationally they're at the core, very much so the same practice, no matter where they came from, right? So um, that taught me just a wealth of knowledge. Then I was ready to go into E5 and I started on the path of E5. I actually went to get an E5 reading um, like here my first time getting one here in in Arizona like when I say here as far as physically in 
Arizona. But I knew, even though I chose to do it physically, and I chose to do it physically because I wanted to see it being performed up front, I knew that I had to be connected to a Babaluo or a Niyanifa on the continent. I knew that that was my destiny. My ancestors made that clear to me, no, nevertheless. They let me go ahead and, and get the reading or whatever. Um, I didn't even really vibe with the Anifa who did the reading. I appreciate her services. She took a lot of time with me, but I knew that she wasn't for me the first time I went to see her, but it gave me the opportunity to see what I needed to see from the tradition, right? And so I did that. Then I started to, this was my fault. I started to seek out a Babalua, even though I already told my ancestors to bring somebody to me. And <clears throat> I was a little bit impatient because I was ready to, to get to the core of EFI after all the things that I had learned about the system. I was like, I'm ready to, to go to the next level because that's where I was. I was like, I've been doing ancestral veneration for years on my own. And then also, um, you know, learning about it through the Haitian way. And in Haitian voodoo, you don't get readings so often like that. You only only get a reading when something's going on. But it's very much so a um, self-directed practice. And, you know, if you're practicing it with your family, then that's also, you know, very important. The family dynamics is huge there, as it is with any, any of our traditions. However, um, you don't have the same level of getting readings and so forth and so on and being connected to a priest or a priestess in the same way as you would in the Ifa system if you were truly practicing Ifa. I'm not talking about people who come in and out, get a reading, get their issue resolved and, and go from there. I'm talking about people who are, you know, doing the OC Ifa or you know consistently getting those readings to understand their destiny destiny and move towards where they need to be in their journeys right and that's what i do that's very important for me and so um long story short i you know i committed i said i'm gonna work with you know this individual for at least one year um before you know i, I give up or whatever so i you know ended up connecting with someone and, uh, through that, I was referred to a Babalu in Nigeria, start working with this individual, and just, you know, at first it was okay, but then after that, I, I wasn't feeling the connection that I needed to feel, and I also wasn't feeling, like, the longevity of the work. Like, it, it was something missing, and I was also feeling like I wasn't getting um, everything I was absolutely supposed to get from that experience and then later on i found out why and i talked about this in a previous episode how you know this individual was actually charging me less money so he wasn't trying to overcharge me but he was charging me less money therefore doing less work and the results were not long lasting right he had did some work even so much as some spirit pots for me that you know they weren't powerful they weren't useful and so, long story short, my ancestors ended up bringing in the current Bobby Wall that I worked with to me. And we didn't even start our connection off on him working for me. Our connection was, you know, completely separate from that. And 
it ended up, you know, after I got a chance to know this individual and learn and, and just my ancestors showing me different things about him, I realized, okay, this is somebody I need to be working with. And the more and more, because I'll say it like this, um, be careful about getting your information offline or just in books and things like that, guys. You know, what I found out is that a lot of times in the diaspora, the information that we find, especially if they're on, in books or online, actually come from the Caribbean island traditions that have already been a little bit corrupted because they're not practiced exactly as they are in Nigeria because they've lost some of their integrity. Likewise, what I find with African-American practitioners often is, you know, they're regurgitating those same things that, again, they read in books or that they see um, or hear, maybe somebody tells them and information just kind of gets spread, but they're not really having these deep level conversations with people on the continent because they think they know about the tradition, right? Because of what they read and what they've learned. And so that was an educational experience for me when I transitioned to the Babalu that I currently work with because a lot of stuff my spirit had already shown me was right and I just wasn't vibing with some of the stuff. It just it just didn't make sense to me. And so um, you know, I would ask him certain questions and he would just validate what my spirit had already told me and he had no idea what my spirit already showed me or told me and i knew that was the right person for me and i'm not knocking anybody when i say this i'm just saying like you know anything else when you take it out of this original context you you can easily you know have issues in those particular areas and you know that was my experience but even that i realized i had to go through that experience likewise because Part of my goal would be to help other people to navigate their way into African spirituality. And that wasn't something that I planned. I was, when I started my business, um, and you can still see a lot of remnants from that business was to deal with career business and um, financial coaching. My business is a sunny coaching services. And those were the three respective areas that I focused on initially. And it was after some time I spent in the traditions and just working my way through it. You know, it's been like more than seven years now or whatever. At working my way through these different dynamics, learning what I needed to learn. And my spirit was just like, hey, my spirits rather showed me that I need to add this as a part of my business and that it would eventually actually take over you know the core of what i do and i was actually shown this from the beginning i won't lie but i just wasn't ready for that dynamic i wasn't ready to put those things out when i first started i said no let me just do something you know simple easy like career business financial coaching and when i say easy not that those dynamics are easy but easy from a public perspective because i wasn't really ready to go public with my journey and my practice it was just like you know i'm good with what i do i don't really need to share this with other people with the world nevertheless but my spiritual team said you know you this is part of your journey as well just that you have to go out and help other people navigate this you know so that they can avoid some of the pitfalls 
that you've experienced and also so that you know you can connect them to the right people so i serve as part of that dynamic by no means am i the only one there are plenty of great people who are connecting other people with the tradition and teaching them in the same way but it's going to require so many more of us because you know there's a dearth of people who are really knowledgeable about the traditions who are going into the traditions the way that you know we should be going into the traditions and so you know every day more and more we're seeing people coming into this journey it's because we're experiencing a great shift in society as a whole because this was our day we are getting back into that space where you know we are going to pick back up that power of our ancestral lineage but it's going to take us coming into our spirituality properly for us to do that so you know you know to, to use an expression from the biblical text right um the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few so that's kind of where we are in reality and so the more and more of us who pick up our cross so to speak and take that pathway the more and more of us who will be able to find reconciliation and healing and do what we need to do so that we can get to the right place in society in our journal journeys and reconciling our bloodline and getting us back into the space of power where we absolutely belong as a people group um i'm gonna dig into those dynamics a whole lot more in a later episode in this season but suffice it to say here that is you know what i'm gonna share with you guys about my journey where i am right now steadily practicing both systems enjoying what i do having the opportunity to share what i do with other people and you know you'll get to learn more and more facets of my journey through this podcast through my blog and just other works that i do so thank you all for listening to this very long message i appreciate all of the love and support that i constantly get as i step out and do what spirit shows me to do um and with that i'm going to go ahead and close the message and say i have a very beautiful and blessed day and beyond guys.